Hi there, I'm Sarah Maxwell. Welcome to the Chief of Staff Board Meeting. Yes, that's B-O-R-E-D, Meeting, our new audio series. There's a lot of stuff out there, but what actually matters? Anyone who knows me knows that I am a big talker. Same goes for my team. Hey! So we thought it'd be fun to invite you to listen in on old and new conversations and hear from experts in all things stuff. Grab your favorite drink, settle in, and for the next 15 to 20 minutes, we're going to explore the stuff that sparks our curiosity. We hope you enjoy this board meeting. We promise it will be anything but boring. Ready? Let's go! Hi, Barbie. Hi, Bobby. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Bobby. Okay, initial thoughts, feelings, likes, dislikes of the film. You're like 15 minutes out of it. We were all in consensus that our first impression was a bit underwhelming. Okay. It's not what I expected. Definitely not. What did you expect? Not that. (laughs) I think the plot really threw me. I don't know. I really, I didn't like it. You didn't I, like I it? I didn't like oh, it. Hot take. Okay. Yeah. I didn't love it either. You didn't love it? I didn't dislike it, but parts of it I found just odd. Well, there's definitely some very artistic choices mm-hmm. in how they did the film. The budget really went into building this world of Barbie and that really translated well. And I felt that, but what they were conflating Barbie to represent, that kind of got lost for me. Well, I'm a millennial. I've never seen a film like that before. And so, so many of the themes and the monologue about being how tiring it is to be a woman, I think really like resonated for me and my friends. I went and saw it with four friends that are all in their mid to late thirties. And we all were like, oh my gosh, finally, someone said it, someone articulated it. And that feels like such a relief because it can be so exhausting sometimes to be a woman and to wear all these different hats and still, you know, look perfect and be perfect. The rallying around the film, watching everybody, you know, on social, like dress in pink as we're all in pink right now to go to the movies and to kind of create this fun moment around it is really refreshing. There's not enough cinema that's directly aimed at women. And also the mum was the one that Barbie needed to find. Again, symbolises that thing that is targeting millennials potentially more than our generation. I also agree with Izzy. I found the part with the mum and the daughter the most touching. I cried a bit when the creator of Barbie spoke to Barbie towards the end, but also it did also feel a bit disconnected and a bit disjointed there was a bit much focus on Ken and Ken's dance numbers and this sequence one after the other (laughs) they were entertaining but just a bit random I thought that that was an homage to how girls play with the Barbie so often some of the things that they did with dialogue my understanding is that some of the ways that the conversation was in dialogue mimicked how little girls would talk 
with their Barbies. I think that the dance numbers are also like an homage to that. I think Greta did a good job of trying to bring in other films influences. Oh yeah. You start with 2001 space odyssey as the opening sequence, which was great. That was, that was awesome to see with the baby dolls flying everywhere and the giant Barbie instead of the monolith. Also wizard of Oz, instead of the yellow brick road, we had a pink painted brick road. I know Greta Gerwig talked to the directors of the Truman show to kind of capture that essence of like a land beyond reality or kind of like a trapped fictional created world. The Matrix, when yep. Barbie has to choose between the heel or the Birkenstock. Yes. And she chooses red the Birkenstock. Pill, red pill, blue pill. Which is funny because she never had a choice to begin with. She always had to go for the Birkenstock. True. There was okay. the whole like mansplaining the Godfather bit as well. Yeah. Right. And then Ken, his homage to Sylvester Stallone with the big fur capes. Brian Gosling was made for that role. He's so theatrical. Yeah. I was like mesmerized. Every action he did, I was like, whoa, this guy's good. It was seriously well cast. Like, I do think the casting was on point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that this will be a film that if you watch it over and over again, you'll get these Easter eggs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think think that there's a lot to process in the first viewing. I actually wanted to see it a second time. I I will go see it a second time. It's so visually stimulating, especially with the pink. And each Barbie has their own kind of specific costumes and designs. And then the sets are also really fun. You know, you've got the story, you've got the music, and then there's the subtext and sort of the hidden parts within that that are easy to miss. So I, I do think it'll be fun to watch it a second time or third time and sort of see what things stick out that you wouldn't catch. Even the homages to the various Barbies mm-hmm. themselves. There's a lot there. What's unique about Barbie, and this is echoed in the film by the character who plays Ruth Handler, that there weren't any dolls girls could play with that mimicked anything outside of taking care of children or sort of homemaking. There weren't any other options. And since she had a daughter of her own, she wanted to create a doll that inspired her to be anything, right? Which is why Barbie has so many Like 250 careers careers or something like that. 250 careers. So basically, I guess Barbie can be anything, so you can be anything. It's like at the start of the film when there's this little girl and she suddenly starts destroying her baby dolls because she's kind of like, I don't just want to pretend to be a mom. And you see these girls with their ironing boards and Mm -hmm. putting that conformist type as well when it was all about the nuclear family and the housewife. And it was a massive age of advertising, so this new... Barbie doll that represented something different was really exciting and popular among young girls. It was an interesting shift in how girls were being socialised to them playing with someone who was stylish. Just something a Mm -hmm. bit daring with her clothing, like a little swimsuit. Yeah, very risque. Very risque. Financially independent as well, which is a massive deal. Mm -hmm. Even the first Barbie Dreamhouse kind of reflects that change because it was one of the first dollhouses that didn't include a kitchen. Barbie just had a one-bedroom, single-bed apartment. She was obviously living in it by herself. She was a single woman. When that wasn't really being done yet, was quite radical, I think. The concept that you could be a successful woman without needing a man 
I think it's very unusual for that time. And even in the film, you know, we know Ken and he is a bit of an accessory to Barbie, but they don't live together. She's not reliant on him. And she's you not never, interested in she's him. She's not really. Yeah, she's not interested in him. They don't have a, there's no romance. Nope. Which actually surprised me because I thought, oh, Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling, like perfect. That's not what that the, her story is about. It's really rare that you see a film aimed at women that doesn't involve some kind of plot surrounding a girl and a guy falling for each other. And the fact that there wasn't even a kiss in this whole film and it's aimed at adults, That's female adults, me. is really refreshing. Her happy ending has nothing to do with Ken. She definitely went through that period of sort of self-discovery and not knowing like what was she you know, quote unquote made for because she's stereotypical Barbie. Whereas some of the other Barbies are, you know, president Barbie and Supreme court Barbie. And ultimately the choice was hers. Right. But she didn't realize that at the outset. Even when Barbie was in the Mattel head office there at the top with the CEO and she didn't want to be put back in the box, she didn't want to be told what she can and can't do, and she just ran away from that as quick as she could. Literally and figuratively, she got out the box. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering why all the marketing, though, is like having people take pictures in the box. I guess it's just, like, yeah. easy. <laughs> it's easy. It's easy. It makes sense. But, like, after I mean, watching the film, it doesn't really, like, make sense to the film. No, because the whole point is to get out of your box. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah and us all although, taking pictures in the box we all have pictures in the box because we can't it's all choice we I can't guess. help a good prop mm-hmm. what did you think of the music i've been listening to the soundtrack really good soundtrack yeah i liked it the music was really fun fun feminine they kind of have everybody Lizzo, Dua Lipa, Lipa. Nicki Minaj, I Spice, Billie Eilish, Billie Eilish. Yeah. The music's been really fun and I was listening to it this morning and it does just kind of get you, puts a little pep in your step. I'm like, waking up in my Barbie dream house. (laughs) It's a very holistic film. You know, you have the film, you have the cast, you have what the cast was wearing during all the press calls, which were homages to different Barbies, which is very creative. I've never seen anything like that. Watching Margot Robbie's red carpet looks in and of itself was so fun. Now you have all the different like apparel and collaborations. I feel like they really left no stone unturned. It's like a really well thought out launch but we can't even think about just the film itself like you say the marketing was insane the budget for the marketing was more for the budget than the entirety of making the film and they surpassed it it already haven't they yeah it's like one of the largest which is the highest grossing film for a female director in history go Greta yeah so hot damn and Margot go Greta yeah (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know before it was actually Margot Robbie that brought the idea to Greta, which yeah. is pretty cool. And she wasn't implying that she should be Barbie. Yeah. She brought it and to she her. brought okay. it to Greta rather than the other way around, which is interesting. Barbie opened with Oppenheimer. And I think that Oppenheimer's supposed to be fantastic. We'll have to go see that separately. Um, Barbenheimer is what everyone's been yes, calling it. Barbenheimer. Barbenheimer. This is not 
the first time, though, that we've seen this type of pairing. And I think that Oppenheimer's really benefited from Barbie's marketing and the draft. They did it with Mamma Mia and the Dark Knight. Dark Mama. Dark Mama. (laughs) Dark Mama. Dark Mama walked so Barbenheimer could run. Oh, did you know The Matrix and 10 Things I Hate About You were also debuted on the same day? No. In 1999. What? Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious to see if it's a turning point in terms of how female-centric films are taken seriously and given support and can debut in the box office like this. Especially without a love interest. Yeah. That uh, that I hadn't thought about. Like, that was not an initial thought I had coming out of it. And like I said in the beginning, I didn't feel empowered walking out of it at first. Okay. But even just hearing that, thinking about how there was no love interest. I think that's really powerful. Yeah. That's not really the part that spoke to me, I think. It was with the mum and the daughter. It just reminds you, yeah, my mum was also once a girl playing with her dolls and now she's a mum and it's just like, wow, life comes at you fast. It's the inner girl. It's the inner girl. I'm going to enjoy being a girl, whether whatever girl I want to be, I'm going to be the best Caitlin, best Barbie I can be. And you can be anything so much of my life is outside of these norms. Like a lot of the path that I've forged for myself is very unique and different. And it can be kind of lonely when you're forging something on your own. And I don't know, I think Barbie was refreshing because I was like, oh yeah, like today I can be boss Barbie. And then this afternoon I can be podcast Barbie, (laughs) adventure travel Barbie or party planning Barbie. And that's enough. You don't have to fit into one box. No, not at all. And, and even just to recognize too, the, like how exhausting it can be to kind of hold it all together. Cause I I do it. Okay. Most times, but not great all the time. It's okay not to have everything figured out or know exactly what you're doing. And when the mum put forward the idea of having just a normal Barbie, do you think someone who just wants to get through the day? Yeah. I was curious if actually they would make an ordinary Barbie. I mean, I feel like they should just sell a mirror at that point. <laughs> yeah, what is an ordinary yeah, Barbie? Just everyone's, everyone's ordinary you and me. is different. She's yeah. like in jeans and a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> I think the film was working for me because that monologue, and then it snapped out all the Barbies from the brainwash of the patriarchy. And I was fine up until that point. I was loving it. Message was good. It was just the part where it was like the campfire and all the Barbies oh. like switching guys. And like, that's how they usurp the power of the patriarchy. Like, it was that simple. I would just hate for a little kid to watch that. And to think that that is how you empower yourself by trying to like, not be deceitful, but be something you're not or try to hide. That was the only part I just didn't like was their way that they came to the solution. It was so overt, right? So yeah, like it was such a stark contrast when she got back. President Barbie was all of a sudden waiting on hand and foot. How were they so easily switched? Yeah. Such clever woman. One of them said, oh, today's been such a nice day. I haven't had to think for myself. Yeah. Even some scenes that felt a bit cut short. You're bored of that scene. I'm bored of this uh, now. Let's yeah. move on to the next. Pass them. Or uh, as soon as the guys randomly stopped fighting, the child was probably bored of it and said, nah, let's just be friends again. Yeah. It was realistic to how a child would play with their dolls. Yeah. 
Oh, and the weird Barbie. Got to give it to Kate McKinnon. Yes. She did oh, I felt job. so bad for weird Barbie. No, I was like, I want to be weird Barbie. No, I felt bad for her. Why? Because the other Barbies kept, weren't nice to her. She kept being called yeah. ugly. That's true. She was not ugly in the slightest, that's whatever that's meant to mean. I thought that was a very like, creative way to acknowledge that there's always that one Barbie that you like cut her hair and draw on her face. It's true. <laughs> Everyone had one of them. The sacrificial Barbie. All right. In closing, if you were going to ask Greta or Margot a question about Barbie, what would you ask them? I know it's not an artist's job to always provide solutions to problems, whereas it's kind of the job of the artist to point out the problems. And I would want to know from Greta what she wants us to take away from this. And if there was some type of call to action or like call to behavior what she would think that would be. Yeah, that'd be great to know. And maybe this is obvious, but I think probably it's be yourself. You are made to do anything you want and to really own your own power. That's what I took from the film. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For sure. You are Knuff. You are Knuff. My question to Greta would be, what's Barbie's plan once she's left the gynecologist? Where's she heading? Will there be a Barbie sequel? Yeah. yeah, I wonder if Greta's thought about, yeah, Barbie's future. Yeah. Also, in a way, the Ken's future, because it's True. this whole idea of, no, you can't join the Supreme Court yet, but maybe in a few years. And that's kind of us in this real world now. In Barbie land, will that be accelerated because everything else is the whole equality between men and women? And if there was a sequel, how would they achieve that equality and what would their way of showing that in a film be and how realistic would it be and whether we would learn more from that. I think it could be a really interesting sequel. Well, thank you, Barbies. It was great having you and great chatting about the film and all things Barbie. And thank you for listeners for joining us. We hope you go see the film and let us know what you think. Bye, Barbie. Bye, Barbie. Bye, Barbie. Bye, Barbie. You have just listened to the Chief of Stuff board meeting hosted by Sarah Maxwell. This episode was produced by Caitlin Holland, Caroline Coyer, and Izzy Murphy. The Chief of Stuff podcast is created by Chief of Stuff, Inc. All rights reserved. All right, that's it. 